Assalamu alaikum guys, welcome back to The Machine. You're here on Let's Chat with your host Mush and... It's me Rizwan again, assalamu alaikum. So assalamu alaikum guys, uh, we're trying to keep this thing regularly so uh, keep tuning in, make sure you like, subscribe and share. Uh, it does help the channel out a lot and obviously leave us your feedback. So today uh, we're going to be talking about the India Citizenship Amendment Bill which was recently passed and it's now in action. Uh, it's been quite a popular topic in social media. Uh, especially because it affects a lot of Muslims, isn't it? So, Riz, what is this act? Islam boys. Uh, yeah, so this act, um, it basically is a bill, but now it's just uh, formed into an act now. So what this is part of, you've probably seen on social media, they're talking about this NRC and CAP. So what these terms mean, basically, uh, the gist of it is the NRC is basically a national register for citizenship. What they're doing is they're rolling it out to the whole of India. So what happens with this uh, register is that all the citizens, no matter what background they are, they have to prove that they're actually legal citizen of uh, India. And however, what they have to provide is uh, a document evidence, but not just that they're born in India, they have to provide the ancestry uh, tracing. So for example, their father, the grandfather, that they were born in India and that they owned properties or did businesses. So they had to provide your lineage. Uh, mm. So there's a lot more uh, more to it than just giving you a birth certificate. And uh, and they have they will have about a year roughly to provide this evidence. Uh, and this has uh, happened quite recently in the state of Assam, which I'll, I'll elaborate later into. So what this means is all non-Muslims now uh, with this act, especially the poor ones, you'll find a lot of them do not have this long uh, ancestry documentation. So what will happen is all non-Muslims uh, and Muslims who don't have this uh, documentation, what will happen is now they they will come under this Act mm -hmm. of Citizen Amendment Bill. Okay. Now the problem with this now this is where it becomes tricky. Now anyone other than Muslims, so whether they see Christian, Hindus, um, you know, atheists. Now, if you don't have your documents, uh, you seem you're, you're classified as illegal. However, due to this act, uh, now you'll be they will give you a legal citizenship for India. Okay. However, what they said exclusively Muslims uh, cannot get their citizenship if they can't prove it. So can you see yeah. how blatant this is? Yeah, it's just okay. One rule applies for everyone else, and except for Muslims, except for Muslims it's too yeah. blatant. Uh, and the and the openly announced is means there's no discri uh, the uh, announced discrimination that uh, apart from Muslims, Muslims not not welcomed. Everyone else will get the citizenship, no matter what religion they are. So can you see why this there's a massive social media storm and mass protests taking place? Many have been killed as well. Uh, so it's a big thing in uh, India as well. Uh, so this one is directly targeted against the Muslims in India. Uh, so what this means is those Muslims who are, uh, you know, seem uh, they're illegal, they don't have their documentation through the ancestry, uh, so they will become stateless within India because the India won't provide them uh, citizenship. But what that what does that mean? So they will lose their right, uh, so a right to vote, right to own land, right mm -hmm. to get a job, especially in the government as well. Uh, they can't own property. 
and they can't have a passport. Again, mm. you're not a citizen of India, so you can't leave to migrate to another country whatsoever. So can you see how problematic it's going to be for the Muslims? Yeah, definitely. So, um, so what question is, you know, where will these millions, it's not like we're talking about a few hundreds, we're looking at millions of Muslims here. Well, what, uh, where would they go to? Is well, what is the population of Muslims in India? Yeah, so uh, population, uh, actually you'd be shocked. Actually, you, you have a guess, right? Think, uh, oh, think what, about what? it. Okay, give me, uh, do you think it's more than Bangladesh or less than Bangladesh? No, nah, it'd be more than Bangladesh, isn't it? What about Pakistan? So Pakistan is Muslim majority. But India's, do you think India's got more Muslims or less? I doubt that because majority of Pakistan is Muslims, isn't it? So... Probably less than Pakistan, I reckon. Nah, it's the opposite. It's actually, Seriously. India's got more Muslims but than Pakistan. Even though the Muslims, I'm sure, are a minority in India, so... Exactly, yeah. Because it was such a massive state, yeah. uh, and the population size, uh, in fact, for the population of Muslims uh, in India, is over 200 million. Pakistan yeah. is around about 190 million. So, yeah, so you got more Muslims more. in yeah. India than in Pakistan, and in fact, uh, the population of Muslims uh, the, in India, they're the world's uh, largest minority population, the second world's largest uh, minority population based in India. Uh, in fact, the, you know, the uh, biggest population of Muslims is number one in Indonesia. Indonesia yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, India comes number two, and if you work out in percentage wise, uh, the representation in India. It's actually 11% of population they make up in India. Wow, so Remember, that's... India is a massive state yeah, with it's a massive, oh, massive. billion people. So, but there's still significant 11%. So that basically 11% who can't provide papers and this and the other left stateless. It wouldn't mean that again. You you got a division between the Muslims. Yeah, you got the rich ones and yeah, they, they may be able to provide it. But a lot of these uh, in the rural area, the poor area, yeah. which make up millions. As yeah, well. that's what I'm talking about. Because that's what majority of the Muslims would be in India, wouldn't it? It'd be like the, of, of the poor origins and all that stuff. They won't have papers to prove they were even born in India. <laughs> so exactly. it does affect them a lot. But, because um, you mentioned about Assam, right? The state of Assam. Can you tell me a bit more about that because because um, you mentioned it and you said that something similar happened. Yeah, so exactly the same thing has happened in Assam in the last few years. They did the same register and they said, again, providing this uh, documentation of the ancestry mm. as well uh, and it caused a massive uproar in Assam as well uh, and basically Assam is a state within India yeah, it basically borders uh, Bangladesh and a lot of the Muslims from uh, in that region they actually were the Bengalis they came from uh, Bangladesh long time ago when the wars mm. were taking place uh, so they've done this documentation for years and a lot, of, again, they're really poor as well. They don't have these kind of mm. uh, paper trays. And up to, they found up to 4 million of them, the Muslims mainly, but the Bengali Muslim there, they don't have documentation. So they've been rendered illegal within India. Yeah. So now, and you see loads of media uh, photos as well. So what they've done now with Muslims in Assam is making this huge, what they call it, detention camps. They're like concentration camps for the Muslims there. To stay in there because they're no longer the citizen of that state itself. So that's how barbaric they've been. The Hindu government has been treating them, and I'll highlight why you know ideological reasons behind it. Why they're targeting Muslims uh, as uh, that worse than animals. They wouldn't even treat the cows like that. I mean, they treat the cows according to them as their god. But look how they t 
treated barbarically. Yeah. Uh, look at the media and how they, uh, you know, the Jamia uh, uh, University, the protesters, how barbaric they're treating the women and uh, children and men, the beating of the protesters. It's horrific. Uh, but before I go into the ideological reasons, uh, just, just, just in Assam as well, the state as well, where you've got massive Muslim population, is has a very uh, strategic interest in India as well. As his economy is being uh, growing quite large as well. Uh, if you look at Assam, where it's, uh, where it's based, where it said borders Bangladesh, the north of uh, India has got massive trade with Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. They even use the seaports as well. So it's a ma it's a very strategic uh, transport route for them. Uh, so again, so that's why they need to ensure from their perspective that this state in itself that is under their control, uh, there's no uh, the, any clampdown, any kind of uh, movement taking place for any uh, separatist movements as well. That's something they fear mm. as well. That's why they were locked down. So is it kind of like a similar thing that obviously we've discussed with the Chinese Muslims, the Uyghur Muslims? Basically a similar thing happening in India. Basically. Exactly, yeah. And not only that, as well, the trade routes as well. There's also massive uh, um, oil reserves have been found in Assam region. Okay. Along with natural gas and limestone. So that's quite strategic to them as well. So hence uh, why they do not... Uh, have trust of Muslims in these highly concentrated regions, hence they want to do similar what Israel's doing, emulating them, or depopulating these areas and getting the Hindus in there as well, and uh, get rid of Muslims. Yes, it's, it's basically. So really, is extermination. It's just ethnic cleansing that's going on in these areas, really. Right. So, um, but well, my question is, um, well, who are the BIP? And this leader Modi and stuff. Yeah, so it's the BJP. BJP. Uh, they're the ruling party. And it's uh, ruled by the Prime Minister called Modi. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, before to understand BJP and Modi, and to understand all these events taking place, right, you got to really understand. If you, you just look back in the history of this individual who represents this Hindu nation now, uh, he was involved in uh, the Gujarat massacre. Have you heard about that? No, I haven't. You know, a lot of our generation have a. To, uh, to Muslims really need to really remind themselves about what happened about the Gujarat massacre because Modi, he was actually the chief minister at that time of Gujarat when this massacre occurred and he was directly involved in this. So the, it's actually horrific when I was reading into this. It actually happened back in 2002, right? Mm. So what happened in the, in the massacre was uh, there was in fact a train coach was carrying Hindu pilgrims mm -hmm. uh, on the way back. Uh, from uh, Gujarat station in Gujarat and what happened was that train, uh, that coach of it uh, caught fire and he had up to about 58 of them Hindus, mainly Hindus um, they, they died on that train so what happened was Modi within several hours without any kind of evidence whatsoever he actually blamed it, uh, this attack on the Pakistan secret services and uh, what he did was uh, further horrific to uh, and ignited the violence there. Uh, the burnt bodies of these 58 Hindus, he actually prayed in, in the main city of Ahmabad. So you can see now how this person igniting yeah. this ethnic tension. Again, it's quite a mixed population in that area and showing the burnt bodies of Pakistan involved uh, without any evidence behind it. 
and again uh, what his Goma uh, did as well they had a three-day uh, strike as well uh, because of the massacre that took place again that again agitated the uh, in uh, the Hindus and what after after that what happened was a mass massacre took place you know the Goma themselves report that up to a thousand died uh, but other um, actually I was looking at uh, independent tallies there's up to more than 2,000 plus women children men and majority of them were all Muslims so the Hindu mobs what they did was um, they went around into the Muslim concentrated areas mm. and carried a huge massacre and and uh, the witnesses report documentaries available of this how the people they were getting raped and massacred and how the Muslims were going over to the police stations uh, and to the government asking for help and the police they, they stood back and watched it happen so the state you can see the whole apparatus yeah. was backing this mob of the Hindus to go out and do what they like and you know one of the main guys right um, uh, in 2007 when he's uh, being released uh, in for what he uh, in one of the magazine called uh, Tehelka uh, Indian magazine, he was recorded and uh, given an interview. He's one of the leaders that uh, led this Hindu mob to massacre the Muslims. He uh, his name was Babu uh, Bajrungi. He openly boasted how he slit open the womb uh, womb of a pregnant woman. So you can see how the history of these guys, how bloodthirsty and barbaric these are, and mm -hmm. now. These are the same person who are the rulers of this Hindu nation. That's what I was going to say, because it's, yeah, it's all very barbaric. You know, the way they treat people, the way they treat humans. I mean, is this like what they've been taught? Is this Because obviously, a reflection of a society is this leader, right? The leader is a reflection of the society. And the society is largely Hindu. And is this what Hinduism represents? Do you know what I mean? This whole mass massacre happening to the Muslims and stuff. It's very alarming because it's not just a handful of people, it's millions of people. Exactly, yeah. So you can see how, although the Muslims are 200 million, in, when it comes to look at the whole population, mm. they actually represent 10, 10 to 11% of the whole population. So they're just very minute, uh, a minority in the Hindu state. Um, but uh, I'll discuss here why, the, ideologically, why they have deep-rooted hatred for Muslims and Islam, uh, this is just not now, this has been for the last hundred years or so. Um, but yeah, we're, we're looking to the ideology. So what, what is the Hindustani ideology, the Hindu TA ideology? Yeah, so basically, right, um, this, uh, the, uh, you got to look in, to understand the ideology, you got to look at this RSS okay. and the Hindu uh, ideology they believe in. Because uh, what this RSS are, they're basically a right-wing Hindu nationalist paramilitary volunteer organization. They're basically the parent organization of the ruling party, the BJP, okay. which Modi is the prime minister of. So they believe in this Hindu discipline and they want to unify the Hindu community and form this Hindu Rashtra. They believe in a pure Hindu nation. So they, and they, this is the ideology of a Hindu tour. Uh, to strengthen the community. So RSS, if you look at their history, 1920s, uh, they were in fact formed purely uh, to unify the Hindus to fight the Muslims. 
in the land to cleanse them off and the bleeding purify the land uh, and it's been purely for uh, Hindus only and what's interesting as well if you look at this RSS movement even during the World War II their leaders were opening admiring Adolf Hitler and Benito Mussolini because yeah. uh, what I was going to say is that's a very Hitler move isn't it later <laughs> yeah. yeah and they took the inspiration from these uh, butchers you know when the leader Golwaka Mm. He took inspiration from Adolf Hitler's ideology of believing about the racial purity and applied it to the Hindus, how, how they were going to cleanse this uh, land and pure, purely for the other worshippers. Uh, but, but what's interesting as well, although the RSS, uh, you know, they looked up to uh, Adolf Hitler, uh, they, they still had sympathy for the Jews. In fact, they were very vocal and supportive about the forming of the Jewish state of Israel. Uh, again, because a natural enemy for them, uh, again, yeah. uh, alliance, their natural alliance with the Jews, a natural enemy were the Muslims. Is, is that saying, uh, you know, the enemy of my enemies, my friend? It's one of those ones, isn't it? Exactly, man. <laughs> and you know, these Hindu nationalists, uh, they have a lot of influence within India. Mm -hmm. They've been stalking fears for a long time now uh, regarding Muslims. Uh, they're talking about Muslims have a higher birth rate and they're going to take over India. There's been big influx of migrants coming from Bangladesh that are threatening Hindu, uh, India Hindus majority. And in fact, a lot of the hardline Hindu nationalists, they even arguing that Indian Muslims, um, as well as Christians, who converted originally from Hinduism in that area, that they should even reconvert back to the, the Hindu religion. And that's how far uh, they're going. And a lot of people will be familiar as well uh, is a ma uh, is a massive cave regarding the Barbary Masjid. You ever come across that? No, I haven't. Yeah, this Barbary Masjid. You know, Barbary Masjid is uh, basically the founder of uh, the Mughal Empire. Barbara, okay. he formed uh, it's a historic masjid. He actually built that masjid. So this uh, what these uh, Hindus want to do is they wanted to build a temple in uh, the area called Ayodhya. Um, and this this uh, dispute been going for a long time, and been a lot of clashing between Muslims and Hindus mm. over this uh, issue. And uh, this uh, this is going back from the 16th century when the masjid was built. Uh, but what happened in 1992? A lot of the Hindu militants, uh, the mob, they actually went and destroyed the Babri Masjid, trying to raise it to the ground. And thousands of uh, people were killed, mainly Muslims, in that. And ever since then, it's been shut down, and they've been disputed in the courts about who gets who gets mm -hmm. that land and who can build what. Can you build a masjid, or is it going to be a temple? I mean, is it going to the Hindus or the Muslims? So the lot of injustice been happening to the Muslims there. But under this um, uh, BJP uh, government now, uh, just in November, the court. Uh, decided that in fact that land is going to be given to the Hindus and they can resurrect the temple on there and um, what they did is they told to said to in regards to the Muslim they'll get a few acres of land and they can go build a masjid somewhere else so basically just getting the short end of the stick isn't it really exactly yeah mm -hmm. can That's you see how the injustice being done and can, can you see how all this is building up uh, for a long time, 
of this about eradication of Muslims. Yeah. So it's not happened just recently now. This is this is historically building up to this slowly, but the uh, population change and the Hindus rising and unifying yes. uh, around this ideology against Muslims to yeah. exterminate them. It just feels like it's been bubbling up because the Muslim Ummah as a whole, they're at a vulnerable state right now, right? It's, they're in a vulnerable condition. Um, what I mean by that is they're looking towards these people, these non-Muslims that are in authority, um, they're in authority and they have to they have to look towards them for solutions and stuff and they're not being really given anything instead they've been given a backhand slap that's basically what's happening but Riz you mentioned um, do you know the BJP I read on uh, somewhere didn't it recently annex the Kashmir uh, region yeah they did as well again um, uh, the, uh, this is uh, there are many reasons for this uh, strategic reason for India you know if you look at the Jammu the uh, Jammu Kashmir region uh, mm. They actually found there is quite a high quantity of gas being found. It's quite rich in resources of limestone. And what's more really strategic as well is the fact that the, you get a lot of, from the mountainous region, the glacier, fresh water. Mm. In fact, that water that comes down uh, that way is, in fact, for India, it provides up to 1 billion people in India that with depend upon water. that for the fresh water, for agriculture, drinking water. They rely purely upon that source. And same for uh, Pakistan as well, utilizes the same glacial fresh waters as well for the agriculture. Mm. So whoever controls that stream, again, for each controls nation, can you see, people. controls their survival, basically. Yeah. Should India wish to, which they have been threatening to Pakistan, that they want to divert the water from going to Pakistan to its own state for their own farmlands. If they were to do that, Pakistan will be a brink of famine. Yeah. Cannot survive that. That's their lifeline. So it's a very strategic region as well, uh, from that perspective. And India needs that water as well for the hydro dams to generate electricity for. Uh, it's a massive, massive population as well. Uh, and not only that, uh, that that's why it's been so strategic for them. Uh, they've even fought three wars over this region as well. Yeah, I was going to say, because that's a region what any, part would, any party would want to control. Exactly, that's, that's a lifeline. Yeah. Uh, so again, uh, not only that as well, had, had, remember that region of Kashmir is a uh, majority population of Muslims as well. Yeah. And had they managed, had they uh, India give, allowed that region to be, uh, seek independence, because remember India, although they try to show unified, Massive country, uh, there's a lot of separatist movements in each of the regions. Had uh, had they allowed uh, Kashmir to become independent, that would naturally trigger off Assam, the mm. state of millions of Muslims, they, them to they uh, succeed independent. independent, and other regions as well. It would be break off of India. Hence, they had to, uh, they, they actually annexed that area of uh, Kashmir. Uh, and if you read the reports as well, you know, we know a lot about Gaza and you know, how much uh, yeah. Jews put military there. But in fact, the most military region in the world is actually Kashmir. They got up to a million of the Hindu soldiers there. And the, to be honest, the media campaigns totally come off Kashmir now. Mm -hmm. But all the Hindus, they're uh, known for the barbarity. Uh, they have clammed down in that area. And it's been over three, four months now mm. where that region's totally under lockdown. They shut down the internet so no information can come out. They arrested up to 13,000 
civilians, including children as well, throwing stones at them. Mm. And that's the story we know then, because of there's no the complete lockdown on that region, uh, all the persecution that takes place, we don't know the, all the details of it. And knowing Hindus for the history, what they've done to that region, mass rapes, mass brutality against the persecution of the Muslims of Kashmir, uh, it's unbelievable uh, what they get up to. Yeah, because um, the question I have, right, is this. How can the rest of the world stand by if if this kind of stuff's going on in India, right? So they must have, because the superpower of the world is America as we know it. Is there some kind of relationship with in, uh, India and America there? Is it is it like with the BJP? Do they have like a relationship with America? Because it seems like the whole world would have been wouldn't have stayed silent otherwise, would it? Yeah, you would think that, but if you think about the likes of uh, people, and it's well documented as well the crimes of India against the Muslim of Kashmir. Uh, same same with the way Israel uh, prosecute uh, persecutes the Muslim of. Uh, Palestine, mm. everyone knows about it, but what do they do? The United Nations, which is actually a tool of America, just a token gestures, and all the rulers of the over the Muslims, for them to pacify their Muslim uh, population, they just come up with speeches or send a condemnation letter to UN. But apart from that, nothing else. But uh, what is interesting as well, like I said, the world's superpower, America. What relationship does he have with BJP? You know, if you, in fact, when you look at, uh, in uh, order to bring India under its uh, influence of America yeah. as well, uh, what America's been doing as well is been, in fact, for years, been having propping up and uh, building up BJP prominence and supporting them. And this goes all the way down to the previous. Um, uh, Prime Minister Atal Bihari Vajpayee uh, bringing him into office as well and what they did was to uh, bring uh, uh, India into their influence uh, they had this uh, he had this global uh, non uh, nuclear non-proliferation policy okay. where all the nuclear states they have to start reducing their stockpiles yeah. whatsoever everyone had to be part of it America enforced everyone even though he has huge amount of warheads and stockpiles so the only exemption they gave was to India but but uh, again to bring them on board and to and they gave them exemption along with that a lot of trading perks so that way they were tied up India uh, under the influence of America and if we look at it right uh, we talked about the previous podcast as well in regards to why uh, from America's perspective, why is so India so important to them uh, geographically as well? If you look at India, and now the fact is annexed uh, parts of Kashmir, they're on the border of China. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about how the you know the Belt Road Initiative he has, mm. the China, uh, especially going from Pakistan, the CPAC area, it goes through uh, the Kashmir region, uh, the Belt Road they want to yeah, build. It does, yeah, yeah. So again, America, that's a big threat to America. So hence why America needs India on board to ensure, uh, to contain China in that region because it controls all the strategic routes yeah. where it is. And uh, so th that's why strategically, uh, that's why America needs India there to contain them. It makes sense as well because um, also in the future, if there's any uprising of the Muslims in the Asian area, 
there's a powerhouse there that'll deal with it. Exactly. Yeah, just another Israel right in Asia yeah. can clamp down on the Muslims right there and then. America utilize that. And, but you know, I've been really looking into, uh, uh, and again, the relationship between India and America has been a lot more prominent as well. And uh, the amount of uh, activities these two nations are doing is, in fact, really breathtaking. You know, for, they have frequent bilateral summits between the heads of the governments to regular senior level dialogues. The US and China, in fact, engage in numerous strategic consultations. We're looking at wide-ranging defense, counter-terrorism, homeland security, cyber security, intelligence cooperation, as well as activities in energy, education, science, technology, public health and culture, you name it all, they're rightly involved mm. into India. So you can see how deeply integrated uh, America is into India. And I wonder the thing, because obviously it really says that uh the, the BJP had uh, quite a lot of um, support. They gave quite a lot of support for the Israel state, right? Do they still have an ongoing relationship? Because obviously, it's, it, I don't think it would be that surprising if they do, because if they have that relationship with America, would they still have that relationship with Israel if they initially was a part of the support? Yeah, exactly. The fact that BJP in origin is a right wing compared to the same as Israel, and they're both like, unified in the hatred towards Muslim and Islam, mm -hmm. no, uh, no doubt they're going to have a strong relationship in fact, they have an extensive economic, military, strategic relationship. In fact, India is the largest buyer of Israel's military equipment, and Israel is a second largest defense supplier to India after Russia. And you know, this is not just now. If you look at India and Israel, they in fact had a full diplomatic relations going back all the way to 1992. And since then, the uh, bilateral relationship between the two countries has been strengthening uh, from military to agriculture to political levels. And in fact, if you're looking at the data of the last 25 years, their bilateral trade but just between the two countries went from 200 million all the way down to 4 billion. And this excludes defence. The defence in itself worth billions itself. Yeah. This is huge. Uh, and um, uh, Israel has been supply weapons which helped India in the, the war against Pakistan, uh, the Kargil War, back in 1999. That's how far it goes, uh, how Israel has been supplying India. So I, I was in the, I, I, this is something I never knew of. Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't know how, that. Is, how deep Israel has been uh, supporting India for a very long time. And currently now, the, India is the largest arms buyer from Israel. And you know, like I said, 1999, India, uh, Israel was supplying India to fight Pakistan. Mm. Actually, in fact, looking a lot further behind in history, uh, India, in fact, they actually recognised Israel back in 1950. Uh, but what they did was, because of the Cold War alignments, and because, they had, because of the uh, Muslim population that they had, and Muslim population of Kashmir, they kept uh, the relationship with Israel, it wasn't too open, although deep, deep down they did recognize them and mm. supported them, but it wasn't the way it is now, you know, openly hugging each other and showing their love for one another. And, uh, and there's uh, many reasons for that as well. Um, again, over the open now because BJP, uh, the party in Israel, they openly 
uh, hate Islam, the Muslims. Mm. So that brings in a lot. But what was happening is the Muslim vote, and this is quite interesting as well, uh, the different parties, you've got the, the left wing and the centre party, mm. you've got Mad Mohan Singh, the previous Prime Minister. A lot of these previous parties, they played the Muslim vote. Um, although they had a relationship with Israel, they kept it quiet so they can get the Muslim vote for them to come to power, uh, to win the seats. Mm. So it's not that they didn't like Israel or whatever, they just kept that undercover to win the vote just so that they don't upset the Muslims, so they don't lose the vote. Okay. So again, the Muslims have played in India and these regions many times uh, by those in the centre and the left as well. So, yeah, I get, it makes sense because obviously now they can be a little bit more open about their hatred towards Muslims, right? Because um, obviously everyone the knows power, that. power, yeah. yeah they, they've got quite a lot of power. They no, but still they want a Hindu nation, Hindu, uh, yeah. Hindu India. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so I, I think what it is, it just brings down to the fact that obviously, you know, this whole voting system happened in India and stuff. For me, it just screams the fact that, well, this is the reality of secular democracy, right? Um, uh, it hasn't saved the Muslims at all. Definitely, this is going for... Now, I think the, the Muslims need to understand and not fall into a trap that, look, this is the reality of a secular democratic nation, the world's largest democracy they boast about, and look where it's got the Muslim to look at the situation we are on the verge of extermination, and look what party, through the democratic system, has come into power and showed his true colours. It's the same system that's brought them into power. And look what's happened to the Muslimly vulnerable situation. Mm. But you know, one thing uh, when you look at, and some Muslim are thinking, look, how could this happen? Or why is this happening to Muslims in India? You know, we shouldn't be surprised uh, the way the Hindus uh, are treating the Muslims and, uh, you know, put them in a situation. No, did, does Allah subhanahu wa tell us in the Quran? Look at example, Surah 5 verse 82. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, You will surely find the most intense of the people in animosity towards the believers, the Jews, and those who associate others with Allah, i.e. the idol worshippers. So yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us they, they, they are the most hatred after the Jews, the, uh, it's the idol worshippers towards the believers. So uh, what, we, we, should, yes, we would never yeah. think this. God's going to be happy with this. So. Yeah, to be fair, that makes sense because um, the Jews, obviously, they have a hatred against Muslims because a lot of them believe that the last Messiah, the messenger, is supposed to come from them. And the Irish idol worship, I'll get that as well because the Prophet um, came in a time where idol worshipping was immense, right? It was everywhere. Everyone was worshipping idols and he came and completely obliterated that idea. So I'll get, <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Um and to think that Muslims will uh, think that they will be happy with you and you hugging hand, like, holding hands and hugging them and stuff is, is just not reality, is it? But what should the Muslims actually be doing? Because obviously they have to get out of this situation and these issues and live in peace somehow. So what, what do the Muslims have to do? Yeah, very good question. So now we've seen this vulnerable situation the Muslims been put into the one the main thing you need to do is not to fall in the trap of this secular democracy so we need to understand the only real protection real citizenship for all muslims this is not just for india mm. look at all around the world we live in here in britain again we, we get all this from the, the prime minister boy johnson uh, the, who's a ruler of him making all the derogatory remarks about muslims and islam all the time yeah 
I mean, we're living here, so we're not longer safe compared to any other place or all around the country. Look at, you know, but Trump, what he says about Muslim and the yeah. Muslim ban he's got on. Because really, all really. around the world, Muslims are safe nowhere. Yeah, to be fair, because they could kind of pass a similar bill. Obviously, I don't think they can do be as harsh as it, but. Yeah, what's to say they can't pass a similar bill? bill. And again, look at the, the way the, all these governments around the world, the secular governments, how the Europeans have the, you know, banning masjids and mm. Muslim dresses and attacking Islam in the media. And, you know, all, all right, the Muslims are not safe anywhere around the world, not just in India. So we need to understand that the uh, secularism and democracy is not our solution, which will give us real security, uh, real protection and real citizenship. You know, the, and the, uh, the only solution for us is the Islamic solution. There's no such thing as a temporary fix or meanwhile. And we've seen in India for the last uh, few hundred years. And look at the situation of Muslim in that. I mean, they're not going to be protected. So mm -hmm. the Muslim is uh, need to understand it's only the Hilafah, the state of the Muslim, which is the state of the Muslim, which goes by Islam and rules by Islam, it was going to protect the Muslims. Yeah. So once we, under, sorry, once we yeah. understand this, we, and we understand the reality of what's happening in India, you know, w one of the traps as, uh, uh, the, a lot of the Muslims are falling into currently is within India as well, you've got this uh, uh, rivalry taking place between different parties, because uh, again, the BJP are right-wing, mm. but then you've got the centre and the lefties, and again, they do mass protesting, the left and the centrist, against the right wing so you got the right wing versus the left wing or you can say mm. but, but again it's not and the, what what's happening the muslims are getting involved on the left side yeah you get it because they're saying oh we're all, we're all on the same side and hence we, we're going to the opposition side and they're raising the voices so that's a, that's the way out we can seek a solution from this again that's a that trap in itself honestly i think that just sounds like a way of getting killed <laughs> Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, you're just biting your own hand there. Um, you're getting involved in it. It's, just, it's not the way forward, yeah, is it? It's, it's a trap, basically. Because it's, 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 a, it's a struggle between two different parties, mm. which are non-Islamic parties, and the Muslims, again, uh, the blood uh, blood getting used up for opposition politics, the right versus left. For Muslims, we don't believe in right, left, centre. It's only Islam. Yeah. That's it. There's no such thing so, as any other. So, uh, another thing from this as well, Muslims shouldn't get used up for the political means. So, you, you see mass rallies and uh, in India and the protests taking yeah. place uh, by the centrists and the lefties. A lot of Muslims, because they're the centre of it, they get involved in this. Uh, yeah, because what it seems like is, um, you know, these protests that are happening by the left wing. It just sounds like, obviously, the Muslims have been involved in this. It just sounds like, they're giving the voice to the left wing for now just to silence them off, you know. Because the majority of the people have voted for the right wing anyway. And that's that's the popular opinion in India. But yeah, again, that's not the way that the Muslims should be looking at it, right? Um, obviously, it comes on, because I know we've mentioned this uh, hadith quite a lot in uh, in our podcast. But it's so true that only um, this is a hadith in the Muslim, right? Only the Imam is a shield behind whom you fight and you protect yourselves with. So if he orders by taqwa and is just then, he has reward for that. And if he orders by other than that, then it is against himself. Yep. It says it all right. 
Yusuf, the only way Muslims will get protection is if they seek it through the Islamic means. They have to fight and protect themselves from behind the Imam, as in the Khilafah. Yeah, definitely, it's not your local Imam that leads a prayer. <laughs> yeah, no. Because <laughs> he, 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 he can't protect his local uh, <laughs> congregation. So this Imam is a ruler, the Khalif of the Muslims, who has the you know ability to uh, and the army to protect the Muslim and uh, where Muslim fight behind. Yeah, exactly. Because um, the, the way I'm looking at it is, imagine if the Muslim armies were unified right now. Imagine if they were um, under the Islamic rule. <laughs> These type of atrocities wouldn't happen. Yeah. Well, they'd happen and they'd get completely squashed. Remember the Khalil Muta saying, one woman on the other far far Asia was prosecuted, yeah. and she called out his name. He sent the entire army for one woman across the world. Yeah, so look at the two hundred million Muslims here, with extermination being thrown out, you know, putting detention centers. Where's the court? Look at next door, the so-called uh, Medinian state. Pakistan was formed apparently for Islam. Mm. That was a fair approach. It's nowhere near Islamic uh, country, Islamic state. Um, I mean, they should be going uh, to liberate. They have the ability. But again, mm. it's a secular, nationalistic state. Again, what is to them, from their perspective, that the Muslim next door again uh, persecuted because, that, uh, again, because of nationalism, mm. uh, for them, they don't really care. They might make a few token gestures for them. But again, they're worried about their own nation, yeah, they're State. too worried about themselves than to help the other Muslims, right? That's what's happening. Yeah. So uh, with this hadith as well, I just want to elaborate quite deep as well. You know the hadith starts only the Imams of the Shia, not Imam Nawawi. He explained this hadith as well. He said that, that you know, this Shia we're talking about, that the Imam is a Shia, is basically the cover for those who are behind this. So they, since the Imam is a cover, it prevents the enemy from harming the Muslims, from getting to the Muslims. Yeah. And the way the Imam does this is by leading the army, protecting the borders of the Islamic State, and organizing jihad. Another Imam, uh, Imam Ibn Hajar, mentions about this hadith that what is regarding this Imam, the fact that he's a Shia, he also prevents the Muslims from even harming themselves. And it does this mm -hmm. by resolving the disputes between the Muslims, he appoints judges and he implements the Sharia so it stops even fight Muslims themselves yeah, fighting so each like other. Yeah, stopping fitna happening amongst the Muslims, right? Exactly. And the word, you know, uh, you know the hadith talks about only the Imam, in the Arabic word as well, it's used in there, so uh, Inma. So the Inma uh, is from the linguistic style in used in the hadith, is from the restriction so this hadith basically negates that anyone other than the Imam can be a shield for the Muslim. Okay. Do you get that? That's a really fundamental point. Yeah, because um, otherwise, if, if that was left, it would be quite ambiguous, right? Let's say stuff like, okay, the Imam can be a shield. No, it's, says, the Imam is a shield. That's <laughs> it. And, only, and the hadith says only the Imam is a shield, nobody else. Exactly. And that's a true reality. Wherever you go Muslim in the world, where... How are they highlighting, uh, you know, the secular nation, the world's biggest democracies and look at America, the world's uh, super democracy and secular state. Look at Muslims persecuted there. Look at anywhere, Europe, you look at the Far East, look at China, mm. Russia, you look at, look at what they're doing to Muslims in Chechnya. Yeah. Uh, you know, go, uh, in, uh, again, we're talking about India, anywhere around the world, even the so-called uh, Muslim nations as well, they, 
they come into this part as well and look at how they look at Saudi as well mm. how it's persecuting the imams yeah, no, 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 the Muslims no, no. there who are you know speaking up against the fitna that's taking place yeah. so and then in this Arab nation as well look at Egypt how brutally cropped uh, uh, clamps down on the Muslims there. So again, this is really uh, Muslim need, need to ingrate this hadith mm. into the mind that look only the Imam because yeah, um, a Shia, nobody else. I want to add as well. No United Nation, no ICC yeah. courts. Yeah, 100%. It has to be the correct way. And I want to add because the Imam isn't just protection for just the Muslims, right? It's whoever lives within the Islamic State. So whoever pays the jizya and whoever wants to live under the Islamic State, they get protected as well. Um, so, you know, this kind of situation where ethnic cleansing that's happening across the world, it doesn't happen in the Islamic State, right? Like, the Muslims aren't allowed to turn around and say, okay, no more Hindus in the area, are they? <laughs> and, uh, you know, in the Hadith of Muhammad Sallallahu said, uh, whoever uh, hurts a dimmi has hurt me. Dimmi mm. are those who are non-Muslims mm. living under the state who pay in the jizya. And the state is the obligation for the Muslim to protect them. Yeah, 100%. And they have, the, they have the freedom of their religion. They can practice the deen, have their like, the clothing, their personal ibadats. The they don't even have to join the uh, army of the Islamic no. State. As long as they pay the jizya, they, they'd have to, they're left with the only voices. Mm -hmm. And we don't interfere with them. And um, yeah, yeah, and uh, so really uh, all Muslim from this, whatever... Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff we talk about, but that's one fundamental point. Mm. I hope all viewers take into the mind and engrave that into your mind that, especially the start of the hadith, say, look, only the imam is a shield. Yeah. So, we've approached 45 minutes. I think it's been a good discussion. Do you want to have any last uh, things that you want to end on? or? Yeah, uh, um, I pray for the Muslims in India uh, right. and uh, uh, other Muslims around the world. If you look at what's happening in Idlib, uh, last night, looking at the Russians uh, really bombarding the civilian areas and thousands have been displaced. Mm -hmm. Again, no media attention towards them. Uh, so, uh, again, and the Muslim China was taking place. So, pray for all Muslims around the world and especially currently the discussion of India. Uh, pray for the Muslim, may Allah give you sober. Uh, mm -hmm. But please look, look beneath the surface. Don't be falling for the enemy's plots. Be politically aware of the situation and uh, call for that which will solve the problem for once and all and I'll leave you with a verse in the Quran and I'll finish off with that in Surah 3 verse 10 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says As for those who disbelieve surely neither their wealth nor their children shall avail them in the least against Allah subhanahu wa and these it is who are the fuel of fire those who do not believe in Muhammad sallam, are but fuel for the hellfire. Well guys, um, it's been a quite a nice, interesting topic today. Quite a lot of detail. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed it and learned something, inshallah. Um, may Allah ease the pain of everyone that's suffering amongst the Ummah and those Ameen. who are oppressed. I mean, um, inshallah guys, make sure you like, subscribe, share the video. Uh, maybe someone will hear it and it would really be beneficial. And inshallah, catch us next time. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum